I have a personal question to ask you as we begin. Here's the question. How many of you at some point this past week sinned? Thought, word, or deed? Just a minute. Just a minute. Let it, I, some of you, wow. <laughs> Wish I was Catholic right now. I, I, I'd have you lined up out the door. Uh, how many of you this past week thought, word, or deed? Uh, you're pretty confident you blew it, you sinned at some point. Okay, now let's see your hands. Yeah, okay, okay. Um, that's the reality. This side of heaven, we live in a very sin-filled world. And uh, this side of heaven, we all still have an old sinful nature that wants to sin, that's attracted to sin, that uh, wants to run towards sin. And this side of heaven, we also have a brilliant, powerful enemy in Satan who has a demonic army who loves to attack us at just the right time with just the right tool, doubt, temptation, confusion, condemnation, twisting of truth. Um, James 3.2 says it this way, we all fall in various ways. And what's interesting is I think the way you fall in sin is way worse than the way I fall. Uh, your struggles, your weak spots, your uh, uh, little areas where you have little pet sin struggles, that, those are way worse than mine. We like to think that. But the truth is, we all have areas where we sin. And here's a prediction. You ready? Prophet in the pulpit. You ready? Here we go. I'm predicting that you'll sin this next week as well. Okay, I'm predicting in thought, word, or deed at some point this next week, uh, you're going to sin. So when we trip up, when we fall uh, spiritually and we do the face plant into sin, uh, or maybe it's more than just a trip, uh, some of us at times, we actually go do the belly flop, don't we? Sometimes we intentionally, uh, we know we're going to sin, we know what's wrong, we know we shouldn't do it, and we do what? We go ahead and do the belly flop anyway. So when that happens, what can we do? What should we do? What does God's word instruct us to do when that happens? Psalm 32 gives us the answer. Turn with me, would you please? This is week number three, our Summer in the Psalms series. And uh, hold your spot in uh, Psalm 32 uh, but then keep on going back, because we're going to go back, and I want you to go back to 2 Samuel chapter 11. 2 Samuel chapter 11, if you have your Bibles. Maybe you'll let somebody look on with you if they forgot theirs. Uh, the human author of Psalm 32 is King David. King David was the greatest king of the Jews, and Acts 13.22 tells us that David was a man after God's own heart. David was a man after God's own heart. And now after we look at 2 Samuel chapter 11, this should bring great encouragement to us uh, because we're going to watch uh, David do a great big belly flop when it comes to sin. Um, Acts 32 is the lesson about sin that King David learned the hard way. 
King David had to learn this uh, the really hard way. I, I just wonder how many of you, that's the way you have to learn. If somebody says the stove is hot, you, you got to touch it. Uh, how many of you got to learn the hard way? Is there anybody besides me and King David? Yeah. Uh, so you'll understand. Second uh, Samuel 11, King David's at the zenith of his power. He's in the prime of life. Everything was going his way. And I guess I just want to pause. And do you realize that's when you're the most vulnerable? When you're at your peak, when things are going great, when life is wonderful, the wind's at your back. Uh, because when you're on the mountaintop, living the dream, that's when you think, that's when I think, you know what, I think I can handle this on my own. Things are going well. Uh, take a break, Lord. I'll call if I really need you, but I'm doing okay. That's why that's such a dangerous time. And that seems to be what happens here. 2 Samuel 11, we'll start with verse 1. I just want to go quickly. Uh, it says, when kings normally were out at war, um, David sends his army out to go to war, but what does David do? Um, you know, I'm a little tired, you know, and I think I deserve a break, and I want a little vacation. Uh, he's secure in his military might, so he just stays home at the palace and relaxes. Uh, verse 2, he's bored. He's wandering around the palace. Uh, there's nothing on uh, ESPN. It's lacrosse, and he didn't care for it. Uh, he's just wandering around, uh, bored, and suddenly he wanders out on top of the roof of the palace. And what does he see? Verse 2, a beautiful woman taking a bath. Verse 3, uh, David sends a servant, go find out who she is. Now this is interesting, verse 3, and the servant comes back and says, this is Bathsheba, she's the wife of Uriah, who's one of your best soldiers. That should have been the end, right? Uh, oh, she's, she's married and married to one of my best men. That should have been the end, but it wasn't. Verse 4, David sends a messenger go and get her, instruct her to come back to me. She comes to his royal bedroom, uh, PG-13, and they have sex. Um, verse 5, uh, Bathsheba sends word back to the king, King David. Uh, David, we got a problem. I'm pregnant. I'm pregnant. Uh, and my husband hasn't been around for a long time. He's been out to war. Uh, verse 6, David is scrambling now, sends for Uriah. Uh, have Uriah come and meet with me. Verse 7, David pretends, uh, how's the war going, Uriah? Tell me about it. Pretending as though that's the reason for the meeting. Verse 8, meeting's over. Uh, thanks, Uriah. You're a great soldier. Wash up. Go to your house. Go, go. You deserve a break today. I've been taking a break. Why don't you take a break? Uh, I, I know you're tired. Uh, I know you've been fighting hard. Um, and he sends along a nice little gift. A uh, nice gift. Go sleep with your wife. Take a break. Uh, you're doing a great job, Uriah. Verse 9, Uriah is a man of integrity. He says, my men are at war. I'm not going to take a break as long as they're out fighting. And he sleeps on the palace steps. Verse 10, David's sneaky little plan busted. 
uh, can't blame it on Uriah now. What's he going to do? What am I going to do? What am I going to do? Verse 14, he writes a note to the general, Joab, uh, and literally he gives it to Uriah. Uriah carries his death warrant to his commander. Verse 15, put Uriah out in front of the fiercest fighting and then withdraw so he'll die. Verse 21, General Joab sends back word to David, uh, your plan worked. <laughs> He's dead. Uriah is dead. Verse 26, Bathsheba mourns for her husband 30, 60, 90 days. Uh, mourn, mourn, mourn. Okay, mourning has broken. She's no longer mourning. Uh, bring her to me. And uh, Bathsheba comes and he marries her. Shortly thereafter, she gives birth to their son. Listen closely. For more than a year, David lived in self-deception. For more than a year, David thought, I think I might get away with this. For more than a year, he thought he could get away with adultery and deception and murder and the cover-up. Until after a year, go to chapter 12, uh, on uh, the king's doorstep steps up a guy named Nathan, verse 7, 2 Samuel 12, and he says boldly to the king, King David, you are the man. You are the one who's in sin. And finally, slide down to verse 13, after more than a year, David finally confesses, I've sinned against the Lord. Psalm 32 is the lessons that David learned from this very sordid, painful, sinful period of his life. Uh, Psalm 32, one writer said, is good news for the guilty. Good news for the, it's the song of praise to the Lord for his willingness to forgive us even when we blow it and sin big time. Would you stand with me? We're going to read all the lessons that King David learned. And uh, we get those here in Psalm 32. Here we go. Let's read. Blessed is the one whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the one whose sin the Lord does not count against them, and in whose spirit is no deceit. When I kept silent, my bones wasted away, though my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy on me. My strength was sapped as in the heat of summer. Then I acknowledged my sin to you and did not cover up my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the guilt of my sin. Therefore, let all the faithful pray to you while you may be found. Surely the rising of the mighty waters will not reach them. You are my hiding place. You will protect me from trouble and surround me with songs of deliverance. I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you with my loving eye on you. Do not be like the horse or the mule, which have no understanding must be controlled by bit and bridle or they will not come to you. Many are the woes of the wicked, 
but the Lord's unfailing love surrounds the one who trusts in him. Rejoice in the Lord and be glad, you righteous. Sing, all you who are upright in heart. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for the, the good lessons that are available to us from your word, our instruction manual for life. Uh, fact is, Lord, everyone here today in your church, we all still fall and fail and sin in various ways. We're still, every one of us are still in process, Lord. Not one of us has arrived. There's not one of us here who doesn't need to learn and grow in your son. Teach us today from your book. Lord, show us today the consequences of living with unconfessed sin. And Lord, I pray that you might show us the benefits of doing the U-turn and running quickly to the cross and confessing. We acknowledge, Lord, it's been a long week for many here in your church. I'm asking that you might recharge our spiritual batteries as we dig now and study your word corporately, even right now. I'm asking that you might bring encouragement and hope and comfort. Lord, strengthen those who are struggling in some significant area of their lives. Lord, help us to notice our brothers and sisters in Christ who are uh, hurting and, and need us to step up and be there for them. Help us to recognize that, Lord. We're, we're ready to be your hands and your feet to those around us who are in need. May the power of your inspired word come together with the power of your Holy Spirit right now in your church in each and every one of our lives. And all the church gathered at Walloon Lake said as God's royal family. You can be seated. Verses 1 and 2 tell us there is great joy, there is great blessing that comes to our lives there is relief that is available when our sins are confessed and forgiven verse 1 psalm 32 blessed is the one whose transgressions are forgiven who, whose sins are covered blessed is the one whose sin the lord does not count against them and in whose spirit is no deceit after over a year of self-deception, King David finally steps up and confesses his sin. And he uses three different words, three different Hebrew words uh, to describe his sin. So let's just look. It said, I, I confessed my transgressions. Transgressions is willful rebellion against God's revealed word. I know what God's word says, uh, but I don't think I'm gonna. I think I'm gonna go the other way. It's what we might call open rebellion. Uh, much of what David did, I would say, most of what David did with Bathsheba was no accident. He didn't just trip and fall. He intentionally sinned and rebelled against God. In other words, he knew what he was doing was sin. And he did it anyway. 
I've got great news. You ready? Ready for? Would you like some great news today? Even willful jump in the manure pile of sin, even our transgressions, verse one, can be forgiven. That should be like wow. Okay. So so I'll I'll give you a little run up and you can do that. Okay. Because you should go like, wow, wow. Uh, so even willful jump into the manure pile of sin, even our transgressions can be forgiven. And our response is, wow, wow. <laughs> you are an awesome God. Wow. Second word David uses is the word sins, whose sins are covered. Uh, this is the word that means to miss the mark. This means I didn't, I didn't hit God's all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. So all of us fall short. David says, you know what? I'm also guilty of that one. Uh, I'm also guilty of falling short. And the Lord was willing to remove and put that out of sight, his falling short. Micah 7:19. You will again have compassion on us. You will tread our sins underfoot and hurl all our iniquities into the depths of the sea. That's what he's talking about. Not going to hold it against us anymore. Third word that David uses, verse 2, um, it says, whose sin the Lord does not count against him. That's a different word than the word sin in verse 1. This is the word sometimes translated iniquity, um, you got a tree in the backyard that's a little bent and twisted. Uh, that's literally what iniquity means. It's, it means to be bent and twisted. It's our old sinful nature's inclination to be drawn to sin. It's bent. It's twisted. We, we have iniquity in our hearts, which causes sin in our thoughts, our words, our deeds. David said, when I confess my sins... You didn't count my iniquities against me. Psalm 103, verse 12. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed my iniquity, my transgressions from us. Okay? So all three types of sin, David said, those, all three of those were a part of what I did. And Lord, you've forgiven me. You've washed and cleansed me all types of sin that I've committed against you. And that makes me, back to verse 1, what's the first word of verse 1? It is, and what's the first word of verse 2? Okay, uh, somebody besides those two people who are reading with me. Verse 1, what's the first word of verse 1? And what's the first word of verse 2? Blessed. That makes me blessed, Lord. Your applause, your approval, your congratulations, your endorsement is on my life. You've put your hand of blessing on me when we finally confess our sins to you. That, that's what he's saying. So for a year plus, David's living in self-deception, uh, thinking he's going to get away with it. Yeah, I know I did a whole bunch of bad stuff, but I'm, I covered it up pretty good. I, I think I'm going to get away with all that sordid, sinful drama mess. I, I think I'm going to get away with it. But here's the truth, verses 3 and 4, what was it like during that year? He, here's his uh, version of what he felt like for that year plus. 
When I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For, for day and night, Lord, your hand was heavy on me. My strength was sapped as in the heat of summer. What was the cause of David's spiritual depression and agony? Because he's living here in torture, bondage. Uh, he, he, he's depressed. He's agonizing. What was the cause of, of David in, in this awful place? Are you ready? Here it is. He kept silent about his sin. David refused to acknowledge his sin to the Lord his God. He, he refused to confess it. The reason he felt so bad, verses 3 and 4, is because he wouldn't acknowledge it before the Lord his God. Uh, so for over a year, his energy, his zest for life was missing. He felt drained all the time. He had no motivation. He was depressed. Sin was weighing on him. It affected his physical energy and his health. Dr. Carl Menninger, one of the renowned psychiatrists, uh, once said this, if my patients in my psychiatric hospitals knew that their sins were forgiven, 75% of them could just walk out and go home today. He, he knew that being feeling guilty and overwhelmed with sin was a huge, depressing, discouraging weight on them. And David is instructing us here. You can write this down if you're taking notes. You ready? If you don't deal with your guilt, your guilt will deal with you. If you don't deal with the guilt of sin that's obvious and clear, then your guilt will deal with you. And it doesn't deal nicely, and it doesn't deal fairly. So here's my question. If you're here this morning, and uh, you know there's sin you've been ignoring and trying to push to the corners of, of your mind, and there's no vitality and no zest for life, could it be that your guilt is dealing with you? Could it, could it be that the reason you, you just got no zest, no energy, there, there's just this depressing weight on you, could it be the reason for that is you've refused to acknowledge your sin before the Lord your God? The Lord would not allow David to enjoy life. Follow me here. The Lord was not willing to say, okay, David, just have a blast for a year. No, he, he drained the joy, the peace, as long as there was rebellion in his heart. And David said, no, no, I think I got this covered. I, I think I got it, and, and no one knows. No, the Lord says, I know, and there's going to be a cost, and it's a big cost. As long as he kept silent about his sin, as long as he refused to acknowledge his sin before his God, big cost involved. So, What's the cure when we're feeling this way? What's the answer? What's the solution? Verse 5. Verse 5, we get it. Um, and uh, it, it's, uh, it's a good verse. Verse 5, then David says, I acknowledge my sin to you. Then, like 
finally I acknowledged my sin and I did not cover up my iniquity anymore. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord and you forgave the guilt of my sin. Proverbs 28, 13. Whoever conceals his transgressions will not prosper. But he who confesses and forsakes them will obtain mercy. New Testament, 1 John 1, 9, you know this one. If we confess our sins, Jesus is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to what? Cleanse us from all the garbage that's attached itself to my life. King David turned from his silence. King David turned from his self-deception and instead of concealing and ignoring, what's he doing now? Verse 5. He's confessing. And I like all the personal pronouns. Look at verse 5. I acknowledged my iniquity. I will confess my transgressions, my sin. Notice He's no longer denying, no longer ignoring, no longer covering it up. He's not blaming Uriah. Well, if Uriah would have went home, uh, well, if Bathsheba hadn't been taking the bath, he simply calls his sin what? It's sin. <laughs> I agree with you, Lord. What you've made clear to me, you call it sin, I call it sin too. There is a solution for sin. Are you ready? It's called forgiveness. The solution for sin is Christ's forgiveness. But until we acknowledge what we've done is sinful, until I admit, yeah, I've sinned, we can't experience the freedom and the restoration found in the forgiveness of Jesus. Jesus is more anxious to forgive you than you are to confess your sin. Did you know that? Jesus is more ready and willing to forgive you than we are to own up and admit, yep, I, I blew it, I sinned. That's the facts. Verses 6 and 7, King David is telling us about his experience so we don't have to endure the grief and the pain and the trauma of ignoring our unconfessed sin. Did you get that? There's a reason why we get this psalm. Wake up, listen close. We don't have to wait a year and have a year of our life ruined and wrecked. We got to learn, and that's the reason for this. For a year, I've been thinking I'm going to get away with it, but now I was hiding from God. Look at verse 7. This is kind of neat. I was hiding from God, but now that I've confessed, now he's my hiding place. Verse 8, a promise of divine guidance. As you, as you acknowledge your sin, the Lord says, I'll show you, I'll show you how to walk. I'll, I'll, I'll show you how to live. Verse 9, warning, don't behave like David did. I like what it says, verse 9. I was behaving like a horse or a mule. Um, wild, galloping, full-throttle horse going just as fast as it can. And here's the edge of the cliff, and what does it do? Dump, 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 dump. Mm. Crash and burn. That's how I was behaving, uh, like a wild horse out of control, or like a stubborn mule. 
I refused to do what I knew what God's word said. And you had to put the Brit and the bio, uh, the uh, the bridle in my mouth to get my attention. The goal of the Lord, give me your eyes, is to get us to stay close to Him and just live there. You understand? He, he's saying, come on, live near me. I don't want you to have to have a bit in your mouth and I'm constantly pulling on you to get come close to Jesus and stay close and quit wandering. Quit bucking. Quit kicking against the Lord and choose to live close. That's where the place of blessing is. You understand? Stay close to me. Verse 10. This is kind of cool. Uh, many are the woes of the wicked. Okay? Option number one. Okay? You can choose the road of the wicked. And with that choice, it's going to hurt bad. And you're going to refuse to acknowledge sin. You're going to endure discipline, guilt, depression, fear. Feel like your life is wasting away. All the pleasure is up front. And then it's going to be awful. Door number one. Go back to verse 10. Or there's another option. Uh, but the Lord's unfailing love surrounds the one who trusts in him. Or get close to Jesus, enjoy his loyal love, stay close, verse 11, rejoice, be glad, sing the bliss of forgiveness, the blessing of living in right relationship with Jesus Christ. But you got to choose. There, there is no middle ground. Uh, I'd like option three. No, no, there, there isn't. There is either you're doing it the woes and the road of the wicked, or you're going to choose the Lord's unfailing love. And on any given day, on any given hour, we're making that choice, y'all. Am I going to do it uh, the wicked, it's going to hurt real bad road, or am I going to do it where there's rejoicing and gladness and singing and bliss, and I get the blessing of being in right relationship with Christ? In a few minutes, we're going to celebrate communion together. And we're going to remember the sinless body that Jesus offered for us on the cross. And we're going to remember the blood that flowed from Jesus for our sin problem. In, in case you didn't know this, the cross is all about forgiveness. The way of forgiveness is available because of what Jesus did for us on the cross. I'd like you now just to pause for the next few moments, would you? And let's just do some personal inventory. Those that will be serving communion, you can make your way down front at this time. But I, I'd like you just to do uh, some self-evaluation with the Lord's help. Lord, uh, we're ready to uh, hear from you. We're ready to listen. We realize that you've declared that blessed are those who acknowledge their sin. Blessed are those who don't ignore or excuse or cover up our sins. Instead, we acknowledge it before you and we confess it. So right now, Lord, we would ask that you'd make things in our life that we've not yet confessed to you in thought, word, or deed. Would you make those things clear to us? We're listening.
ready to respond.